Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, Justin. You know, for some weird reason, when you said your name, I was expecting you to say my name, and then I was getting ready to say your name. That's weird. Yeah. Are we in like a mirror universe for this episode or I, something? I guess, maybe. Wait, no, I have a goatee. So does mirror universe me not have a goatee? Or you are the mirror universe. Oh. <laughs> hey, how's it going, buddy? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. A uh, bit of sad news in the Star Trek world and in the in Hollywood in general. Yeah, in, in real life, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, just uh, uh, some sad news. Um, I'm sure you listeners have heard, but uh, yeah, Anton Yelchin, uh, who played uh, Chekhov in the Star the J.J. Abrams-verse movies, uh, he passed away in a completely freak accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shocking when I heard the news. Yeah. I, you know, I was actually um, looking at the news. I, I, unfortunately, you know, saw this the first thing when I, I got up on Saturday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. And I think the headline was something like, started with Star Trek actor, and I was expecting, you know, and this is kind of morbid, but, you know, I was expecting, you know, maybe someone from the original series had, you know, passed away who'd gotten up in their age or, you know, something like that. Like someone known for their work on Star Trek years and years ago. And what I saw was Anton Yelchin. I mean, he's young Chekhov. Yeah. He's, he, he's he, a kid. He was he 27. Was really young. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just, a, it's a huge loss. I mean, not just for... Not just for Star Trek fans. I mean, he was just absolutely endearing as as the new Chekhov. But just to, just for like, I don't know, Earth in general. Uh, from all accounts, he was just a wonderful person, and I've I've seen him in quite a few films. Um, just recently saw him in the Green Room, which he was exceptional. I've seen him in Odd Thomas, uh, Fright Night remake, uh, probably a ton of other stuff, and. Uh, it's just a real shame. Yeah. And uh, I kind of think the reaction, you know, like social media and outside of that was just overwhelming. The news like, seemed like everyone just loved him so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it was completely out of the blue. That's. Oh, really, yeah. That's why it just hit people so hard, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was very much, um, you know, accident, um, I guess, of the purest purest sort i mean there's a lot of talk about you know well why did it happen was it a mechanical defect in his in his car and everything and um i guess we'll see but i mean that doesn't change the fact that you know part of the star trek family as it were is gone Mm -hmm. so yeah so that was was definitely cast a shadow over things (laughs) but um but yeah it just goes to show how much people care about star trek and the people involved with it Right. Oh, we should move on to happier things now. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, that's that's the right way to, to move with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, you want to talk about these uh, Star Trek Enterprise episodes? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's let's do that. <laughs> We're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 7, The Forge. Original air date, November 19th, 2004. And just a little preface to this. Uh, sorry, folks, who are expecting this to be an episode all about Jordy LaForge, uh, but it's not. Not at all. Just wanted to get that out of the way. He didn't even direct this episode. Huh. 
That would have been kind of uh, nicely ironic if you did. Uh, the episode opens on Vulcan 17 years ago at some ruins. A Vulcan man is exploring a cave when he finds a statue. He dusts it off and reveals some hieroglyphics, and then he says, Sirach. And then it cuts to the opening credits. Uh, when the episode comes back, uh, we're at the United Earth Embassy on Vulcan. Admiral Forrest is recording a personal log. He hopes that the High Command will conduct joint missions with Starfleet. Ambassador Saval tells Forrest that humans are hard to classify because they have traits from so many other species. They're hmm. not violent like the Klingons, but at the same time, they're like the Andorians and, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're not totally logical like the Vulcans, but they can be. Uh, but, uh, most of all, humans remind them of Vulcans before they embrace logic. Mm. Suddenly, there's a huge explosion. And it is huge. Like, the embassy gets really wrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, on Enterprise, Archer, Trip, Reed, Hoshi, Mayweather, and Phlox are playing basketball. Mm. Uh, Flox is basically the Steph Curry of the group. <laughs> what can't he do? Uh, Tamal enters and tells Archer that they got a message from Starfleet Command. Three days after the bombing at the embassy, uh, Enterprise has arrived at Vulcan. Via Archer's log, we learn that 43 people died, including Admiral Forrest and oh, 12 man. Vulcans. Yeah, so Admiral Forrest, there since episode one, no longer. Yeah. Uh, some Vulcan officials arrive on Enterprise. There's Ambassador Saval, uh, Stell, the chief investigator of the security directorate, and Administrator Vloss, the head of the high command. Uh, Stell tells them that the Andorians are the chief suspects behind the attack, but it could also be the Cyrenites, a group of Vulcans who follow a corrupted form of Sirach's teachings. The Cyrenites were peaceful, but in the past year, their leader, Siron, uh, has become a zealot against non-Vulcans. Okay. Uh, Mayweather and Reed investigate the bombing site. Mayweather finds an unexploded bomb. Uh, Reed attempts to scan it, even though he thinks it might be rigged to explode if it's scanned. Uh, he discovers a Vulcan DNA on the controls. While doing a deeper scan, the bomb arms itself, and Reed and Mayweather beam out right as the bomb goes off. On Enterprise in sickbay, Phlox tells Archer, T'Pol, and Stell that the DNA found on the bomb belongs to a Vulcan woman named T'Pau, who is a Cyrenite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stell doesn't want Archer's help with finding her because it is now a Vulcan matter. And T'Pau, um, for, for those who've seen the original series, should be pretty a familiar name. She's a part of an original series episode that involves Spock. Ah. An older, much older version of T'Pau, uh, given the timeline. Right. Uh, in a cargo bay, uh, Archer sees the coffins of the deceased, and he visits Forrest's coffin. Uh, Saval enters and tells Archer that Forrest saved his life, and Saval tells Archer that it makes no sense that the Cyrenites would do this, and that Archer must do everything he can to get to the bottom of it, no matter where it takes him. Hmm. In T'Pol's quarters, uh, Koss visits her husband, Koss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he delivers a gift from T'Pol's mother. 
it's a medallion. He had to hand deliver it to T'Pol because of the new security conditions that have gone into effect on Vulcan after the, uh, after the attack. Also, as a result of these new security conditions, uh, T'Pol's mother has gone into hiding to avoid incarceration because it turns out that she is a Cyrenite. In Archer's ready room, T'Pol shows Archer the medallion, which is called an Idic. This one has been modified to include a holographic map of a desert called The Forge, hence the title of this episode. <laughs> it's the path Sirach took 1,800 years ago, which Cyrenites take to seek enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a pilgrimage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Trip tells Archer that the forge is full of electrical storms that prevent technology such as communicators, scanners, phase pistols, and transporters from working. Uh, T'Pol accompanies Archer down to the forge while Saval helps out on Enterprise. In sickbay, Phlox tells Reed and Trip that he has re-examined the DNA from the bomb. He discovered that the DNA Reed recovered is from Tapau when she was only a few months old, so it's from when she was registered as a baby. Okay, so not, they must take DNA samples when they're registered. Yeah, yeah, not uh, not current day Tapau. Uh, additionally, in the security footage they got, Corporal Asquith uh, seemed to recognize whoever the perpetrator was, but they can't question Asquith because he's in a coma. And Tripp says that they have to figure out a way to get into Asquith's mind. Uh, back on Vulcan, a Vulcan man named Arev uh, rescues Archer and T'Pol from a wild sailot. Uh, Arev warns Archer to turn back, but Archer and T'Pol follow Arev regardless. T'Pol is accustomed to the desert conditions, but Archer is clearly struggling with them. Oh, yeah. I think there's there's a couple of comments about... You know, just kind of like, oh, this is nothing. Like, and then Archer's just dying. Yeah, she doesn't need to drink water for a few mm-hmm. days, and her yeah. inner eyelids can protect her, her from the sun. Her inner eyelids. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to, to like, see these parts of uh, Vulcan physiology. It makes sense, since every time we've seen Vulcan, it's a desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Arev tests Archer's knowledge of Vulcan teachings. Archer fails these tests, and T'Pol tells Archer that Arev is likely a Cyrenite and doesn't trust them enough to take them to the rest of the Cyrenites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Archer decides to tell Arev the truth. Mm-hmm. On Enterprise, in sickbay, Trip asks Saval to, uh, to find a mind melder who can get the information out of Asquith. After Trip and Phlox tell Saval that the DNA evidence was planted which suggests a conspiracy. Uh, Saval reveals that he can perform the mind meld. Mm. He's a melder. I know, those awful, awful melders, right? We've learned. Uh, meanwhile, on Vulcan, Archer and T'Pol are running from a sandfire storm. Arev directs them to a nearby cave. In the cave, Arev recognizes T'Pol's medallion, and he figures out the archer is the one who does, who uncovered the Vulcan listening station at Pajem. Uh, he tells Archer and T'Pol that the Cyrenites are at the Tukurth Sanctuary, and he will take them there after the storm has passed. <laughs> On Enterprise in sickbay, Saval mind melts with Asquith. Uh, kind of get a glimpse of who the perpetrator is but mm-hmm. not a clear 
Not a clear look yet. Back in the cave, Archer tells Arev what he's been told about the Syrianites. Mm-hmm. Arev reveals that the Idic stands for infinite diversity in infinite combination. Uh, so Idic is I-D-I-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer is taught that Sorok's body was killed at Mount Salea. There's a ship called Salea, which has yeah, appeared in the show before. It has appeared in the show before, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, but Sorok's Katra, the essence of a Vulcan mind, went into the mind of a Syrenite, and by mind melding with that Syrenite, they can get in touch with Sorok. Sorok believed that the mind meld was the heritage of all Vulcans. Actually, this idea of the Katra was in the search for Spock. Yeah, actually, uh, with Spock and Bones. Yep. Um, Spock put his Katra into Bones' mind at the very end of uh, Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. uh, before mm-hmm. he went into the uh, chamber. And Bones was super excited about it. Oh, yeah. He was so <laughs> happy. Uh, back on Enterprise, Trip, Flox, and Saval talk to Vloss and Stell, revealing that the bomber was, in fact, Stell himself. And they got that information via Saval's mind meld. Stell mm-hmm. says that telepathic evidence is inadmissible, and Floss tells Saval that he will be punished for his actions. Great. Because they don't like melders. No, they don't like melders or whistleblowers, apparently. Uh, in the cave, Arev reveals that the High Command used to be only in charge of space exploration, but that has clearly changed. Uh, Archer had been told that Vulcans were never explorers. Uh, suddenly, the Sandfire Storm knocks down some rocks that were blocking the entrance of the cave. As they try to reseal the entrance, uh, T'Pol and Arev are struck by two separate bolts of lightning. Uh, Arev is dying, and as he is dying, he tells Archer that he must carry it to Sanctuary before mind-melding with him. Carry it. Mm. Uh, back on Enterprise, Saval is heading out to the High Command for his punishment because it's his only chance to reach the rest of the High Command. Uh, Trip asks what he's going to do if the entirety of the High Command is in on the conspiracy. And he tells Saval that he needs to start trusting humans. Uh, Saval responds by giving the Vulcan salute and saying, peace and long life. Hmm. Back in the cave, T'Pol cares for Archer. Uh, Arev is dead. Uh, Archer thinks Arev punched him. They decide to head out to the Takarath Sanctuary after they bury Arev. Uh, at night, Archer seems to know exactly where to go to find the Takarath Sanctuary. He even, hmm. he even knows where the secret entrance is. He tells T'Pol not to resist right before a group of armed Vulcans surround and capture them. As the episode ends. Oh, almost like he has some extra knowledge. Oh, that catcher idea that they talked about. Hmm, maybe that, maybe that. We'll have to find out, <laughs> maybe in the next episode. Yeah, so do you want to talk about um, what we thought of this episode before we go on to what is clearly part two? <laughs> yeah, they're really big on these multi-parters this season. Yeah, um, I think this is, uh, it's not really a spoiler to say, this is part one of three. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to actually get some more of these multi-parters soon. And we just ended a three-part, um, augment arc. So I guess this can be considered the forge arc or the Serenite arc. Yeah, the Serenite arc. Yeah, let's call it that. (laughs) Um, we get a lot more Vulcan stuff. 
And mm-hmm. we've gotten a lot of Vulcan stuff already in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's necessary because they're just kind of leading to the status quo of Vulcans where Vulcans are mind melders and there's the Catra mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's all the stuff that we already know about if you watched any Star Trek before. Right. And, and I think that if you didn't already watch Star Trek, then I don't really know if it carries any real weight because I mean, yeah, maybe if you remember a couple seasons ago, you remember the the stuff with melding and you know how that's kind of frowned, how, the, how that's very frowned upon. Um, but if, I mean, even back then, I feel like that was really meant to, you know, be, be kind of fan service to the, the fans, right? Um, and so if, if you, now, if you're, you're not a Star Trek fan, it doesn't really mean anything. If you're a Star Trek fan, like you said, you know where this is heading. I would say though, it is, I mean, I think it's kind of cool to get some, you know, if you're not like a reader of Star Trek books or, or et cetera, it's, it's still cool to kind of see some of this backstory or, you know, learn a little bit more about Vulcan history, I guess. Yeah, that part is interesting, but do we really need this part where the high command is corrupt and mm-hmm. has this conspiracy? Oh, no, I don't think so. You know, and I mean, if anything, it's kind of is just like, oh, see, Vulcans aren't as, you know, straight-laced and logical as you think they are. You know, like, there are good Vulcans and bad Vulcans. Right. Which, you know, I, <laughs> I was gonna say, I think we kind of saw that in, uh, in, um, uh, Star Trek The Final Frontier, right? Yeah. Where you, you meet Spock's brother and, and, and he's crazy pants, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, there are all kinds of, of Vulcans. And, and you're right, we really have seen a lot of Vulcan, like, Vulcan lore, Vulcan, just Vulcans in general. There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Enterprise as a whole series so far has been very Vulcan heavy. Mm-hmm. And we've got a Vulcan in the crew, and, you know. I mean, it's, it's understandable. Vulcans are the first race that the humans meet, mm-hmm. and they form this alliance. But still, it's... I don't I don't know that we need to know this much about Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of said it before, but I, I'll, I'll repeat it, because I think it bears repeating, is this idea that the, um, you know, they, they, oh, can they not do a lot? Because then people wonder, well, why didn't this come up in subsequent Star Treks? So, you know, oh, let's focus on, let's focus on the stuff we do know a lot about, like the Vulcans. But, you know, I really do want to see new stories, you know, like, like, I get it, Vulcans. I get it. <laughs> like, can we, can we have some new adventures with brand new planets and brand new aliens? And that's like, I, i.e. the things that make Star Trek so appealing. Right. And even if you didn't want to introduce new aliens, you could expand upon other aliens that we may not know as much about. Oh, like the Andorians. Right. Like, I think that was a great example. Like, we, you know, obviously you could overdo it, but, you know, Andorians were part of kind of an episode of the original series. And, you know, they've been expanded into a major part of Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be cool to see that with others. You know, we got finally got some Orions. Um, It'd be cool to see, like you said, maybe some more of the original series stuff brought back. Yeah. I mean, Vulcans are neat and all. But I don't know we need this much Vulcan-ness. <laughs> it's too Vulcan much. <laughs> uh, but we're going to continue talking about Vulcans in the next episode. 
Awakening. Uh, but first, we'll take a little break. UPN Friday. Beneath the Vulcan Desert lies a treasure, not of gold, but of mind. Open your heart, and the way will become clear. Some have died to seek it. Vulcan is tearing itself apart. Some have killed to hide it. Drive Enterprise from orbit. He's going to start an interstellar war. And it's buried in the last place a Vulcan would look. A three-part Star Trek event. And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 8, Awakening. Original air date, November 26, 2004. Take it away, Randy. All right. So as expected, this episode starts off with uh, Saval at the Vulcan High Command getting royally chewed out by Velas uh, for using his mind meld yeah. on... He's a melder. He's a, he's a, a melder. A dirty melder. A dirty, dirty melder. Uh, so as a result, as expected, uh, Vlas, uh, boots him from the high command and basically tells him, uh, that he's sworn a loyalty oath. Uh, so he'd better not tell anyone about what he has done or what he knows. So kind of like, uh, you've sworn to, uh, sort of secrecy on all this stuff. So, uh, you know, don't go around talking about how we were behind the bombing. Uh, back, uh, at the forge, uh, we learn that, uh, Archer and T'Pol were in fact, uh, captured by the Cyrenites, uh, and they are led by none other than T'Pol, uh, whom of the DNA on the bomb, the baby DNA on the bomb. Uh, Archer lashes out at her for the embassy bombing and the death of his friend, Admiral Forrest. Archer tells T'Pau about uh, their meeting with Arev in the forge. Uh, he She asks Archer what happened to Arev, and Archer tells her uh, that he met his death. Uh, we learn at this point that Arev was actually Siren, the what? leader of the Siranites. Pretty convenient his name's Saran, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's the leader, (laughs) so they follow him. Yeah, they'll just rename him. Maybe his real name was Arev. No, I know what's going on here. (laughs) Now a prisoner, along with T'Pol, Archer is feeling kind of under the weather. Uh, They're in a a cell in the the Cyrenite um, uh, sanctuary. Uh, he tells to Paul that it feels like there's been something in his head ever since Saran touched him. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we see Tapau chastising to Paul's mother for leading the two Starfleet officers to their location. Back on Enterprise, Saval is informing Trip of his expulsion from the High Command. He also tells him that Velas intends to attack the Sanctuary, so getting Archer and Paul off the planet as soon as possible is of utmost importance. While T'Pol argues with her mother over her decision to join the Cyrenites, Archer has a vision of Sarak, the Vul- Vulcan philosopher, uh, who reveals to Archer that Saran transferred his Katra into Archer right before he died. Surprise, surprise. In my note, I, I made a note that said, like Spock and Bones at the end <laughs> of Wrath of Khan, which we've already brought up. In his vision, he says that he wants Archer to return the Vulcan people to the right path. 
Hmm. Pal learns of Archer's new mental buddy, uh, and she wants uh, Sorok's Katra transferred to her. Uh, although, as she explains, the ritual to do so may be dangerous. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you kind of want that Katra to be in a Vulcan mind because it could destroy a human mind. Mm-hmm. What, and, I mean, that was kind of the danger with Bones, right? In uh, Search for Spock. Yeah, the whole process of getting Spock's, um, Spock's Katra out of Bones and back into his, I guess, his cloned body was kind of rough. Um but then also, I mean, you're right. I mean, clearly, Sorok and this, you know, believes in Serenites. <laughs> He's been riding around in a Rev, or I mean, in, in Saran. So, you know, he, he probably wants to go back to the Serenites, but I guess we'll find out in a second. Uh, because they go ahead and perform their ritual, uh, because Archer says he wants, uh, this thing out of his head as soon as possible. Uh, but wouldn't you know, Sorok doesn't want to leave. Archer's the chosen one. Yeah, Archer's the... For some reason, the alien Archer is the chosen one instead of the Vulcans. But anyways, it's because he's the star of the show. Scott Bagula. Come on. It's in his contract. He's like, if anyone's going to get a contra on their head, it's going to be me. <laughs> uh, Sirak tells Archer that he needs to find the Kirshara, an artifact that will help the Vulcan people return to the correct path. In orbit on Enterprise... Uh, Reed and Mayweather depart the ship in a shuttlecraft to rescue their crewmates, but are fired upon by Vulcan ships and forced to return to Enterprise. Veloss hails Enterprise and orders it to leave orbit, but Trip, who's in command of the ship at this point, refuses, so the High Command sends more ships to force them away. Uh, after taking some damage, and on Saval's recommendation, Enterprise finally leaves orbit. Hmm, they're acting very Romulan, these Vulcans. Yeah. Uh, with Enterprise out of the way, uh, the High Command commences its attack on the Sanctuary using uh, what looked like a form of energy torpedo. I don't think they're photon torpedoes. They're green. Uh, Archer, T'Pol, and T'Pau stay at the sanctuary while the other Serenites flee so that they can attempt to track down the Kishara that Sarak told Archer about in his vision. The captain um, gets a sense that he's seen this particular uh, passageway through uh, this particular tunnel uh, before, you know, almost as if in a vision or in Sarak's mind. <laughs> so they head down it, uh, making their way past some mummified Vulcan elders, who even have kind of like their bangs are still mummified, <laughs> <laughs> and eventually to a door uh, that Archer seems to kind of have a s- second sense about how to open. And he does some like fancy like fingers twisting on it, and it opens. It was kind of fancy. Anyways. Yeah, I'm wondering why the Vulcans couldn't use, you know, tools or their super strength to get those that door open. Yeah, or it almost seemed like, since there were still these giant cobwebs, and uh, I don't know if I want to see a Vulcan spider, but there were these giant cobwebs down there, like, almost they hadn't even looked down there. Like, <laughs> like oh, this door, forget it. Yeah, if they, it was a giant opening. If they just walked, like, ten feet, they would have found a bunch of mummies and a door. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this is not a big expedition. They find this door, Archer's able to open it, and inside they find this, uh, pyramidal relic. Um, it was kind of like, uh, Star Trek Tomb Raider. <laughs> and Archer grabs it, 
and they flee uh, as the bombardment of the sanctuary becomes more intense. Uh, during their escape, they happen across to Paul's mother, who has been mortally wounded in the attack. Uh, to Paul rushes to her and the two embrace. Uh, as her mother tells her how proud she is of her, she also makes a mention that T'Pol's always had trouble keeping her emotions in check uh, before she passes away into Paul's arms. And from the camera angle, we see T'Pol shed a single tear. Yeah, she has even more trouble after the trellium. Uh, oh, controlling her, her emotions? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think she's been doing, a, the actor, you know, she's been doing a good job of that, just kind of being a little less of a, a stoic Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was was definitely a, a sign of that. Uh, back in space, uh, on board Enterprise, uh, Saval tells Trip that, uh, basically spills the beans and tells Trip that Velas is planning an all-out assault on Andoria. Uh, and this is despite, as Tripp points out, the treaty that uh, Archer was instrumental in brokering between the two races. Uh, he says, uh, he being uh, Saval, says that Vlas is convinced that the Andorians are building a super weapon based on Zindi technology that could destroy Vulcan. Uh, he, Saval tells Tripp that if Vulcan attacks Andoria... Uh, the conflict will no doubt spread, maybe even as far as Earth. So with an all-out war on the line, Trip orders Enterprise to Andoria at Warp 5. They gotta leave Archer behind. They had to leave Archer behind, much to the surprise of the crew of the Enterprise. Yeah, so we've got kind of the Enterprise crew split at this point. Um, well, not completely split, but the ma- major characters split. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them, two of them left behind. To Paul's mother has just died. Uh, let's see. Let's let's take a, a, a tale of the tape here. Her mother's just died. Um, Archer has Sarax Katra in his mind. They have the Kershara. They have an ancient Vulcan relic of some great importance. Uh, Tapau is with them. Tapau is with them. They're stuck in the forge, and the Enterprise is just left. Yeah, Vulcan's going to go to war with Andorian. Yeah, so Vloss, it's pretty high stakes. Vloss is acting very illogically, and no one's calling out, calling him out on it. So, what do you think we're going to find out that he's actually a Romulan? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I he's, know, that'd be a huge twist. Right? He's acting very Romulan esque, mm-hmm. uh, very warlike, very uh, uh, paranoid. But do we know how long he's been in charge of the high command? Because assumably for a long time. So that would be that would be a huge twist. I'm guessing it's just going to be that it's um, that I don't know. They're really worried about Andoria for some reason, but that would be a huge twist for sure. Yeah, I mean they wouldn't do it because they can't show Romulans because right in the timeline they don't know what Romulans look like in original Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, unfortunately, but we could come up with. That. <laughs> I mean, that would have been really interesting, though. Yeah, but unfortunately, they can't do it. But um, so what did you think of this episode compared to the last one, or did you think it was just kind of obviously it, it, a continuation? Yeah, it's a continuation. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that maybe uh, Vloss is taking some trillium. Oh, uh, but or probably not exposed to it or something. Probably not. He's just a jerk. Yeah, I mean, I guess because we've already we've seen 
the like a pajam with the the covert listening post in the in the Vulcan um monastery I guess basically um you know we've seen that they're they're not completely peaceful they have you know military interests and, and things like that but I mean Vlas is just so very not unVulcan I feel right I, and I guess that's the point of showing the Vulcans in this show. Mm-hmm is to say, hey, all Vulcans aren't all like Spock, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's half Vulcan, but whatever. Yeah, he's the most Vulcan of them all. Yeah. And he's half Vulcan. But they're not all like that. They're, mm-hmm. they're used to be like humans, and mm-hmm. then they learn logic. Yeah, maybe maybe they're not as far removed, I guess. Or maybe we're going to see something happen uh, with the the Vulcan with the the Kirshara, maybe we're gonna see something happen, and and uh, uh, Archer is gonna help them back onto the right path. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. Archer is the chosen one, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I thought it was funny when uh, Trip was calling out Saval for pretending to be a jerk for so long. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and they they do kind of like. I have this like respect for one another now, mm-hmm. and it's just like very, uh, it's very interesting. It was well, kind of fun. Well, they had this huge character shift in Saval, and mm-hmm. they needed some way to explain it. So mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, he was just pretending. Yeah. Like, like, oh, he just had to do that because he was a member of the High Command kind of thing. So. No, I, I mean, I, I say, I, I, I like this arc so far um i I mean it's it's definitely everything yeah it's definitely interesting yeah and i think everything we said about the first part of it stands true um you know did we really need this but i think if you know hey we got it (laughs) we got it and i think that as far as something in this this focused on vulcans goes it's pretty solid um yeah yeah it's it's weird because i'm judging all of these episodes as if this is the series finale because this is our as if this is the final season but for Mm -hmm. when they were making it they didn't know it was the final season right right so yeah obviously if they knew maybe they would have done something different right (laughs) maybe they wouldn't have spent all this time focusing on this so it's unfair to judge them for that because Mm -hmm. i mean they didn't know but as someone who's coming to the show you know over a decade later, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this. Really, this is how you're going to do the final season. But really, you're going to spend time on this again. Come on, we've talked about this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how this concludes. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to be, or I don't mean to sound so negative about it. I do think it is interesting to explore more Vulcan stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't read a lot of the books. You know, I don't know all this Vulcan backstory, so mm-hmm. that's interesting. But I don't know. Oh, there's been a lot of Vulcanness throughout this series so far. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, well, I guess we'll see how uh, how the next one goes. Yeah, the next one is Kirshara, uh, and we'll, we'll also be talking about the episode Dataless. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to kick off another story arc. <laughs> Just more and more story arcs until the end, I guess. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, folks.
Set a course for Andoria. UPN next Friday. I don't suppose they'll let us just walk into the high command. The only thing that stands between war and peace. We shouldn't get involved. We're already involved. Between Vulcan and Andoria. Where is your fleet? Turn the antenna from your skull! Is the crew of Enterprise. Put us between both fleets. We're in the crossfire. The amazing conclusion of this Star Trek event. It will be a disaster for both our worlds. All new Star Trek Enterprise. UPN next Friday at 8, 7 central.